Good morning and welcome to Directional Bible Ministries. Uh, my name is Dwayne. This is a teaching ministry that is called to encourage, disciple, and challenge the people of God. Uh, today is September the 22nd and we are continuing our study through the book of Acts. And um, last time we were together, we were in Acts chapter number 19. Good morning, guys. Good morning, Matt. Good morning, Scott. God bless you. Um, let's see. Last time we were together, let me take a look here. Let's see. We were, we finished uh, session 32, uh, verses 19 through uh, 35. I believe it was. Let's see. We're going to, yeah, that was session 32. One through thirty-five. Um, I thought I had this all set, <clears throat> but when you drag the screen around, it throws everything off. Um, there we go. Thirty-five here's where we picked up, I guess. Yeah, there you go. So, um, man, there's so much to remember when you're doing this. Uh, I have to. Uh, remember to turn everything on. I have to, uh, I record it on an audio program as well so that uh, the audio comes out better. And um, then I got to make sure you guys can hear. Uh, so but anyway, it's worth it. I enjoy doing it and I learn more things every day. Uh, so um, uh, let's see. And then of course, let's see, still putting everything over on SoundCloud. You can see there, that was the last thing I did, 19.1-35. And there's an app that you can download from here to your phone if you wanted to. It's a pretty neat little program. It's one. It's a premium program. It's not free. It's free to you. It's not free to me. Uh, but um, but anyway, I enjoy doing it. Thank you, sir. I, I really do enjoy doing it. I wouldn't. Uh, I just really enjoy teaching through the, the Word of God with you guys. Um, let's see. We're going to get over into, here's our notes. All right. <clears throat> this is where we ended. Um, of course, Paul is in Ephesus. There's a riot going on in Ephesus. Um, I, I was talking to a brother the other day. Uh, he and I have been, we were actually in the Marine Corps together. Um, so we're the same age. Uh, I'll be 54 uh, on the 26th of this month. He and I went through Marine Corps boot camp together in 1985. And he and I, <clears throat> he got on this road before I did, you know, the mid-acts uh, dispensational road. So um, I met him several years ago out in West Texas after, you know, 25 plus years. And I remembered him, him talking about some of this stuff and I just kind of blew it off. But anyway, as soon as I got back on this road or as soon as I got on this road, I, he and I really started talking again because I was picking his, his mind um, loves the Lord. Um, but he, he made the point that all of the epistles that Paul wrote while in Acts are, you know, are, do have a, a kingdom and a grace gospel theme to them, but the prison epistles do not. I, I just found that interesting. I, I never really, when I first started this journey, I did start looking through the epistles that Paul wrote or the letters that Paul wrote in the book of Acts. Uh, and if you do look at those Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, uh, you do see in those books, those letters, you need to pay attention to the personal pronouns 
But then once he wrote his prison epistles after he got to Rome, it, it's, it doesn't do that. He doesn't alternate, alternate back and forth. So I never thought of it that way. But anyway, that's just something you guys can, uh, can kind of think about as well. Um, something happened after Acts 28. So we've been talking about that going down this road. So anyway, when you read the book of Ephesians, for example, you're going to see you got to pay particular attention to those personal pronouns because he wrote that in the book of Acts. And if he's still alternating between the kingdom gospel and the grace gospel until the end of Acts, then obviously the letters that he wrote in Acts, you need to watch the personal pronouns and who he's talking to. So anyway, back to the study. There's a riot in Ephesus. Um, of course, we know that uh, uh, Paul, Paul stayed there. He sent Timotheus and Erastus away. Uh, and then, of course, there arose a, a stir in Ephesus from Demetrius, the silversmith. Uh, of course, his motivation was money. Uh, they were with the with what Paul was preaching and people burning all their accoutrements from their curious arts and, and turning to the Lord. This obviously was going to hurt uh, their their commerce in regard to idolatry to the to the goddess Diana. Uh, and notice it says he brought no small gain unto the craftsmen, and he calls everybody together of work like work of love like occupation. So there was kind of like this guild, if you would. It said, sirs, we know that by this craft we have our wealth. Moreover, seeing here that not alone at Ephesus, but almost throughout all of Asia, this Paul is persuaded and turned much people, saying there be no gods which are made with hands. So. Again, obviously, that's going to threaten their their trade, so that not only this aircraft is in danger, but also the temple of the great goddess Diana should be despised, and her magnificence should be destroyed from all of Asia, and then that worship her. So, again, he, he uses religion as a way to justify what he's doing. Um, I, he he may have been sincere, but you know, I mean, he's an, he's an idolater, obviously. Um, and when they heard these things, they were full of wrath. You know, again, I think their wrath was that they were losing their trade, um, not that Diana of the Ephesians was being uh, cast to the side. And the whole city was filled with confusion, and they caught Gaius and Aristarchus. They're going to come back up, but not by name, when the town clerk uh, stands up to finally try to you know, say we got to stop this or, or Rome's going to come down on our backs. Um, and then Paul would have entered into the temple. And you remember <clears throat> the disciples suffered him not uh, because they knew what was going on in there and they thought they would tear Paul apart. And certain of the chiefs of Asia, which were his friends. Now, these were not converts that we can tell. I mean, they just had an affinity for Paul. They maybe approved of what Paul was saying, or at least they were curious or interested in what Paul was saying. Um, you know, I mean, we've all got unsaved friends that, you know, think fondly of us and you can count on them to help you out. And that's what these guys were doing here from what we can tell. Uh, some therefore cried one thing, some another. Everybody was confused. There was this mob mentality going on. Nobody really knew for sure what they were doing there completely. And they drew Alexander out of the multitude, and the Jews put him forward. And, of course, Alexander, I guess, was going to speak on behalf of the Jews, give a defense. And, and again, this is another proof text that Paul was preaching 
to the Jews here because they were asking Alexander to, you know, give an explanation of what they were doing, burning everything. And, um, and when they knew that he was a Jew, all with one voice about the space of two hours cried out, great is Diana of the Ephesians. So um, they immediately uh, began to cry out, um, great is Diana of the Ephesians. And when the town clerk, um, this is where we pick up new territory here. Uh, and when the town clerk had appeased the people, he said, you men of Ephesus, what man is there that knoweth not how that the city of the Ephesians is a worshiper of the great goddess Diana and the image which fell down from Jupiter. And so he's just stating the obvious. Everybody knows that Ephesus is home of the goddess Diana. Um, she fell down from Jupiter. Uh, seeing then that these cannot be spoken against, you ought to be quiet and do nothing rashly. For ye have brought hither these men, which are neither robbers of churches, nor yet blasphemers of your goddess. So um, the town clerk continues to try to stop the mob by pointing out that they need not to overreact to what was happening as a result of Paul's teaching. Uh, and it was causing an uproar in the city. And as the people began to re respond to Paul's message. Because when someone turns to God, they're going to move away from idolatry. And that's what was happening, and it was threatening uh, the main commercial activity of the city of Ephesus. Um, and of course, we've talked about how superstitious, how Ephesus was full of mysticism and sorcery, and, you know, which is no wonder Paul... Uh, when he wrote the book of Ephesus and he begins to talk about spiritual warfare, uh, obviously there was a lot of that going on in, in the city of Ephesus. And, um, so he's just trying to, to, uh, um, just trying to, to calm the people down. And he goes on to say, um, that see, he says, for ye have brought hither these men, these men that he's referring to are Gaius and Aristarchus um, that they had pulled out who were companions of Paul. And he reminds them, he says, these are neither robbers of churches nor yet blasphemers of Diana. Um, notice that he says these are neither robbers of churches. Uh, he is obviously not talking about the kingdom church, he's not talking about the grace church as that would not have even been his frame of reference as an unbeliever. I mean, he didn't care about churches. So what's the deal with that word churches there? Um, well, when you get down into verse number 37, I use Esword. I really do like it. It's free. Um, all of the, uh, all of the, uh, I mean, you can upgrade and get other things. It comes with King James for free, but if you want to add other modules to it, you have to pay for those. Uh, but I've been using it for years. I absolutely love it. But it's got what's called the KJV Plus, and it shows the original. And you can see here, uh, when it, it shows the Strong's numbers and everything, the word church is there, um, is not what we think of as ecclesia, 
uh, it is it should be better translated robbers of temples, uh, not churches. Robbers of of temples um, instead of churches. Um, further proof that the word always needs context. Um, the word any word in the Bible, you, you know, a text out of context is a pretext. Um, so just because you see the word church does not mean that it's referring to the body of Christ of which we are today. Uh, remember that the word church simply means a called out assembly. Now, the other translations do not translate uh, Acts 19.37 as churches. The New American Standard uh, says neither robbers of temples. Um, so again, we have to look at the word in the context. And remember that there, there are four churches that are identified in the Bible. And we also run into problems when we try to combine them. In other words, when we see the word church, we just automatically say, huh, oh, that's, that's the body of Christ that, that's being referred to there. No, I mean, not necessarily. Lord knows this is not the body of Christ that the town clerk is talking about here. I mean, you've got to look at the word in the context. I mean, historically, there was the church in the wilderness. You remember uh, Stephen referred to this in Acts 7 and verse number 38. This is he that was in the church <clears throat> in the wilderness. Uh, with the angel was spake to him in Mount Sinai. There it is, the, the church in the wilderness. Now you look at the word that's used there, uh, it's the word <clears throat> ecclesia, uh, which is the same word that, uh, that is translated the church or the body of Christ. But so is the body of Christ uh, in the wilderness um, with Moses? Um, no, it's just that word church means assembly. Um, it was the assembly of the children of Israel that were called out of Egypt and assembled in the wilderness. Uh, now, the covenant theologian will say the church goes all the way back to Moses. Why do they do that? Because of this. Um, they just take the word church. Every time it's used in the Bible, it's referring to the body of Christ. Um, and that's wrong. I mean, obviously, we have nothing to do with that church that was assembled in the wilderness. Um, then there was the Jerusalem church, which was made of none but the lost sheep of the house of Israel and proselytes. This is the kingdom church. And Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. In the context, he was not talking about the body of Christ. He was talking about the kingdom church. Um, no one is a part of this church today. Uh, the kingdom church, just like the wilderness church, is no longer today. Um, the kingdom church stopped after the rejection of the king and the kingdom was complete. We need to remember that. So when you see the word church in the Gospels, uh, it is not referring 
uh, to the wilderness church, and it's not referring to the body of Christ. It is referring to the kingdom church that was made up of the house of Israel. And today, we are a part of the body of Christ, which is made up of both Jew and Gentile. That was the mystery that was revealed to Paul. We are a part of the mystery church that was revealed through Paul, who were justified freely by grace. See, there's a difference between the kingdom church and the mystery church. The, the kingdom church, under the kingdom church, they were not justified freely by grace. It was under the law. They had to repent and be baptized and show their deeds. They had to walk the walk. They had to still obey the law. And people don't understand, when you read the first several chapters of the book of Acts, where are the apostles continuing to go? Back to the temple. Why were they going back to the temple? They were still under Mosaic law. They were still keeping the sacrifices in the temple. Even Paul, Remember, in the previous chapters, he was trying to get back to Jerusalem to make sacrifice. He wanted to be there for the feast. He had <clears throat> probably committed or made a vow, a, a, a Nazarite vow. Why would he do that? Because Paul was initially saved under the kingdom gospel. Um, so, again, we got to be careful uh, when we see the, the word church. And then finally, there is going to be a tribulation church. Uh, the tribulation church is going to be made up of those who, are, who have sealed their fates in their own blood by not accepting the mark of the beast, which is made up of the congregations mentioned in Revelation chapter 2 and 3. Uh, it is those who overcame uh, and sit with him on his throne. Now, how many times have we read that and made the application to the body of Christ? Well, we don't have to overcome, okay? Um, they have to overcome because they're under the law. Uh, we are not going to sit with him on his throne. Um, that is not us. Matter of fact, Ephesians uh, chapter 2, verse number 6, and hath raised us up together and made us to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. We're not sitting on thrones. We're sitting in heavenly places. Those who eat of the tree of life at the end of Revelation 20, 22 and verse number 14, these are those who make it through the tribulation. That will be their reward. Now, I've got whole commentaries. I've got a doctoral dissertation uh, on, on the seven churches of Revelation chapters 2 and 3, and uh, the subtitle is Past, Present, and Future. Um, but to interpret the churches of Revelation in any other way, as I did for years, is allegorizing the text, which is exactly what dispensationalists do not do, except there. You see, uh, I used to make a, a much ado out of the seven kingdom parables, um, 
and the seven churches. I, I found a lot of similarities between the two. And there are a lot of similarities between the two, but they are not talking about the body of Christ. They are not talking about the mystery church that Paul <clears throat> spoke of. So we have to be careful. Again, I mean, I, you know, for years I would say, well, I'm I'm a dispensationalist. I believe in a literal translation of the Bible word for word, line by line, here a little, there a little. You know, when the Messiah comes, he's not only going to tell us what the words mean, he's going to tell us what the spaces between the words mean, you know, and then turn around and allegorize um, the, the second and third chapter of the book of Revelation. Um, well, the book of Revelation, if you understand it, Hebrews through Revelation, they are called the Hebrew epistles. I mean, you won't take a guess why they're called the Hebrew epistles, uh, because they are written to the Hebrews. <laughs> they're not written to us. And understand, the Hebrew epistles are written. Why do they speak so much about tribulation? Because that is what the apostles thought we were moving into Daniel's 70th week with the assumption that the nation of Israel was going to accept the kingdom the king and his kingdom that Peter offered in Acts chapter number two. Of course, they did not. Again, you, there's the word church. Uh, the gospel of the kingdom will be preached again by the 144,000 during the tribulation period. And that's going to make up what is referred to as the tribulation church. In Matthew 24, 13, Matthew 24, don't try to dig in there and try to find the church. It's not there. <clears throat> the gospels were written. Remember, the mystery was hid in Christ. Uh, now, if it can be found, then it wasn't hid very well. Okay, so uh, in Matthew 24, but he that shall endure to the end shall be saved. Now, how many people today read that verse and turn around and say, you got to endure to the end if you're going to be saved? Um, that is talking to Jews. That is talking to the tribulation church. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then the end will come. Again, I mean, that church is referring to the tribulation church. It's not referring to the body of Christ. And then in verse number 38, Wherefore, if Demetrius and the craftsmen which are with him have a matter against any man, the law is open, and there are deputies. Let them implead one another. But if ye inquire anything concerning other matters, it shall be determined a lawful assembly. For we are in danger here of being called in question for this day's uproar, there being no cause whereby we may give an account of this concourse. And when he had thus spoken, he dismissed the assembly. So the town clerk... Father warns them that if they did not handle this correctly, Rome would come down on them. And he dismisses them and tells them to go away. Now, again, uh, you see the word, and he dismissed the assembly. Well, lo and behold, if you come over here into chapter number, in verse number 31 or 41, uh, let me get back to where I was. 
verse 41 here, he dismissed the assembly, ecclesia. Um, further proof that we need to be careful with that word. Even the pagans were in church. <laughs> so we just need to be careful with that. So anyway, hope you enjoyed our study today that uh, next time we get together, we will break into chapter number 20 uh, of the book of Acts. Paul in Macedonia and Greece. I feel like we're kind of on the home stretch here. But uh, God bless you guys. Hope that you have a great day. And I'll see you tomorrow morning, 6.30 a.m. And uh, we decided that we're going to start the Sunday morning service at 8, uh, beginning this Sunday. That'll give some folks that do need to get on out of the house and visit other churches an opportunity to set in and, and hear that. So um, God bless you guys.